Christmas Falls. Happy summer. How's it going for you? It's going all right for me. It's been a good summer with great weather. A few too many mosquitoes for my liking. Caught the coronavirus too. That finally caught up with me. But hey, if you can't beat them, join them, I guess. Anyway, now that that's behind me, I am ready to deliver my next episode of the Smith Falls On podcast. This time we're talking to Mr. Chris McGuire. Town councillor Chris McGuire, that is. Now, I did not invite him for his political prowess, but he did provide some very valuable insight um, on the whole sort of political scene here in town. I knew a little bit, but you know, I didn't know everything. And, and for someone like me who rolled into town about four years ago, just after the last election, it was nice to hear some of the, these things because, well, we've got an election coming up. Um, so if you're curious about that kind of stuff, Good info for you here, but also good info about my buddy Chris. I didn't actually invite him on because he's a counselor. I just invite him because we always have good talks. Um, side note, he's a counselor, you know. We've got an election coming up this October and uh, the deadline to join the race, whether you want to try and be mayor or try and get on town council or anything like that, August 19th. Go to the Smith Falls Town website and, and look it up if you think that that kind of giving back is for you. So let's get into our talk with Mr. Chris McGuire. But first, a little word about our sponsors. Sponsor number one is Say Two Bakery. Go get some good eats over at Say Two. Best cinnamon bun in town, according to my five-year-old daughter. I'm inclined to agree with her myself. They've got a full menu there of breakfasts and lunch and, and catering options as well. The sky's the limit with Say Two. Very easy to find as well, right downtown in the heart of Smith Falls on Beckwith Street at the historic Rito Hotel. Say2Bakery.com. Thanks for your support. Sponsor number two is Howard, Kelford, and Dubois. Barristers and solicitors. Also, right downtown, they are your local lawyers. You buy in a house, you start in a business, you write in a contract, maybe you got to sue somebody, maybe you got to defend against a lawsuit. What are your lawyer needs? They will help you. They'll walk you and talk you through it in a nice and friendly way. Check them out at valleylaw.ca. Howard Kelford and Dubois, thank you so much for your support of this show. And third, Last but not least is Andrus Independent Grocer. I buy all my food there. They feed me. I wouldn't be alive without them. And neither would this show. Thank you so much for your support, Andrus Independent Grocer. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram and in person. Go shopping. Thanks to all our sponsors for making this show possible. And without further ado, my chat with Mr. Chris McGuire, Smith Falls born and raised. Well, I, was saying, dude, I love I love chatting like this because you can really really hear everything that each other is saying. Yeah, well, it's I'm not the best at focusing sometimes, so this is like it's weird when it like <laughs> when we're done talking, you'll take the headphones off and you'll feel like you've you've lost a sense, you know, like your senses have been told. Anyway, you're on a podcast. Cool. I hit record a while ago. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> and that's how we do it here. We just uh, we just chat. So let's chat, man. We've chatted a lot before, but uh, I think there's still a lot I could learn about you. Born and raised here? Uh, born in Ottawa. Born in Ottawa. So yeah. when'd you move here? Um, I don't know. They just went to Ottawa for the birth. I guess that's what's on my birth certificate. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So you, were, yeah, you, were, yeah. you were like went to the Ottawa hospital, but you... Yeah, I, like I'm they, not they, sure why. They but. drove home from the hospital and came yeah, back other than to that. Smith Falls. Okay, so yeah. you're born and raised in Smith Falls. Yeah. 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 As they say. Yeah. So... I mean, you're a town councillor. Yeah, for now. 
Yeah, for now. Are you gonna? <laughs> are you gonna go for it again? I'm not sure. Still undecided. Yeah, there's 19 August 19th the sign up deadline. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm just weighing it, talking to people. Yeah. Um. The first time you do something like that, you just you go into it all in, right? And the second time. You go into it with eyes wide open. Yeah, a little more trepidatious. Of, it's the time commitment, the yeah. the expectations, the the knowledge of what went well and what hasn't, and yeah. what needs to happen going forward. Um, and then also looking at who else is running because it's a team sport, right? No one right. person makes any decisions up there, yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, so that's a big part of it too. So, have many candidates been announced yet? I don't think it, last I checked there had been no official uh, mayoral candidate. Yeah, there's definitely um, there's definitely people signed up. I don't know if if the mayoral candidates have put in paperwork together, but I've seen on social media, you know, there's rumblings, and um, I've signed some papers. So I think mm. in the next little bit, we'll see that coming soon. My friend Chance signed up, not for mayor, but I think for yeah, a, a he's going position. for counselor. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, um, be interesting to to hear his positions. Yeah, His platforms. Always like talking to Chance. He's a radio guy, so I think he's going to have the best sound bites. Yeah, when he gets a microphone in front of him, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've had him out in this studio in front of a microphone before. He recorded some voiceovers for me one time. Oh, he would have loved that. He's he's yeah. good at it too. Yeah, he's got a nice gravelly voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like can. that guy. But he's the only one I've heard. He's the only one I've heard so far that's uh, that's thrown their hat. Yeah, I've seen Jennifer Miller. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I heard her mention that, but I didn't, I didn't see that it was public yet, but yeah, I did, uh, yeah, I did hear I, about that. I think she's got on her papers are up and I saw she had a Facebook page going around this afternoon. So, uh, so yeah, so it's starting to heat up. I it, mm-hmm. like the election's not till October 24th. So yeah. how, how much of a marathon can yeah. you handle, you know, four years. I when I first moved into town, there were like when I was house shopping, all the campaign signs were still up. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what like because i was we were house shopping here in like late september 2018 wow so all the campaign and then we didn't move in until january so the election was like over we didn't we didn't get to vote ah, okay we weren't residents yet it uh, so it'll be my this will be my first smith falls vote well, that's exciting that's yeah, it's uh, exciting for me it's funny because it doesn't feel like like you guys have been around so long now and you've contributed mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. that it just feels like you guys have been around forever, you know? And I say like the whole arts hub, yeah. all of this influx of people that have moved to town, mm-hmm. and like the canopy turnaround has been about that same yeah. uh, four-year thing. So it's crazy how things change when they stay the same for so long. And then when it, the change happens, it happens quick. Yeah. And I feel like there's been so much change in the past four years. Like I feel, yeah, I mean, you've lived your your whole life, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, because I've only been here for four years. But I feel like the amount of change that's happened to this town in the last four or five years is probably the largest, quickest amount of change that has probably ever happened to this town, except maybe for when, like, I don't know, when Hershey first rolled into town, I don't know. Yeah, like that's something, like I was born in 90, so in my 30-some years, uh, for sure, because it was just, it was so, uh, it was the same for so long, and mm-hmm. then when Hershey's left, that that recession, or whatever you'd call it for the town, um, you know, that was another 10 years, and that was that was almost negative change, right? It was just trying yeah, to keep things yeah. going. Yeah. Um, but, wow, four years, and, and you know... <laughs> 
It's wild. Look at it. Yeah. So you would have been, so then you would have been like high school, right? During like some of the, I guess what people tend to refer to as some of the worst years of this town. Yeah. So I actually graduated right around things closing and then, uh, I went to Montreal for school. So I was home on the summers, but, uh, I wasn't here for the brunt of it. I know the thing that really hit home for me when things were changing was that, um, uh, like there was 2000 some jobs in that one year between all the plants and the Mm -hmm. hospital and everything. And, uh, and I remember going to the Chinese buffet and usually your friends would be picking up the plates. Right. And, uh, one of my friend's parents were picking up the plates and that, uh, or even just an acquaintance really. But, um, but that's where it kind of hit home. It's like, okay, things have shifted here. You know, the, the workforce has has shifted for sure. Um, and then just as quick, it it turns around again. It's just, uh, such a boom and bust cycle as TVO has, uh, highlighted. (laughs) So where'd you go to school? You go to Montreal, you said, was that McGill Concordia? Yeah. So I, I started in mechanical engineering at McGill Okay, and, uh, I was really immature. I'm still kind of immature, but, uh, uh, I was just looking at it. All the programs seemed really similar. I was going to do some kind of engineering. I thought mechanical seemed like a good one. Um, so for me, it was kind of Montreal or Toronto, which city do I want to go to? Because I wanted a change. Um, a lot of friends were going to the Eastern Ontario schools, but for whatever reason, I had it in my head. I wanted to get out and see something. And, um, and I like Montreal as a city better than Toronto. So mm-hmm. I went to Montreal. I like the hockey team better. Yeah. Um, it just seemed a uh, terrible reason to pick a school, right? And in hindsight, uh, so anyway, I end up in downtown Montreal. I'm going to mechanical engineering. I've in this class of hundreds and hundreds of kids. And uh, I'm really struggling with it because uh, like coming from high school, there's no deadlines. There's no, yeah. you know, hand it in when you feel like it. And now you're a number and you've got a, you know, all these hoops to jump through and all these standards to meet. And, yeah. uh, um, it was a struggle, but I found the, uh, when you're driving into Montreal, there's this farm and it's beautiful and it's the McDonald campus of the university. So they've okay. got the agricultural environmental science stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, so I switched into bioresource engineering and that, um, that was like a mechanical civil course mix, but, okay. um, uh, you know, water, agriculture, environment stuff, which irrigation, yeah, they have that. I didn't uh, focus on that. I did more water resources and agriculture. Yeah. But it's wild. This one engineering program, because it's got all these specializations, like um, I'm doing water resource engineering with rivers and dams. My younger brother, all four of us went to the same program. So the next one is working at Canopy as a post-harvest agricultural something. Yeah. Uh, the next one's doing environmental engineering at a mine. And the other one just got a job doing robotic dairy farming. So Cool. So it was just cool to have all of so those. So four brothers. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all went to the same program. Any sisters? No. No, just four four boys? Yeah, I don't know how they how they plan that. I don't think you do plan that. No, I, I wouldn't I plan that. I have, a couple friend, I have a couple friends who have four daughters each, and they get together, and there's eight girls running around. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, like that's like, um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we had one boy and one girl, and... Pulled the plug after that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that ticks the boxes for us. Two's, two's enough. So went to school in Montreal and then you move right back, back here after school? Yeah. So I don't know why I did that in hindsight. Cause you know what I mean? You're in your mid twenties and, yeah. um, but there was something about, I really enjoyed living in Montreal and the longer I lived there, the more I appreciated the food and the arts and the culture and the, the parks yeah. and the just, it's a great city, very livable city. I would have picked Montreal over Toronto. 
that would have been an easy decision for me. I like Montreal way better than Toronto. Oh, it's and and the, the amount it's changed in the last five ten years like is incredible it, for the best. You yeah. know what I mean? They've they've got a great mayor right now, and um, oh, the bike lanes are incredible there. Yeah. The uh, uh, Arcade Fire just played last weekend at Oceaga. Like you, you just don't get that kind of stuff everywhere, right? So yeah. it's 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 neat to have it this close to home. Um, but yeah, so no, I came back. I was kind of. Um, after doing five years of school, I was ready for, um, ready to work, you know, mm-hmm. ready to put, put it to use. And, um, I had this like, Oh, I need to get back to town. I need to get a house. I need to get all these life things checked off, boxes mm-hmm. checked off. And in hindsight, it's like, I should have gone traveling. I should have gone yeah. out West and skied for a winter. I should have, <laughs> I could have, would have, but, uh, um, but no, I, so yeah, I came back, but the great thing was that was right when things start, were starting to, that was just when there was rumblings of canopy 2014. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I, there was just, there, there was, a, there was something in the air at that point. So, um, and I was able to get a house before things went crazy. So that was good. So what made you want to run for council? <laughs> That's, uh, um, it was a combination of different things. I think I didn't fully appreciate Smith Falls until I lived in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not until you leave that you can kind of come back with a different lens. Right. Yeah, and you totally. can, and you can apply the things as you've traveled and, and all the rest. Mm-hmm. So, um, so coming back, it's just, it was this place full of potential. You know, you've got the Rideau Canal, you've got, um, you've got these museums, you've got all of this stuff, you've got the parks, uh, it's amazing when people from the 905 come through here and like, they love the parks and it's mm-hmm. like, we just, we take it, I take it for granted because I've always, it's what I'm used to. Um, and sometimes when it's what it's used to, you're easy, it's easier to see the defects than the, the asset of it. Right? Yeah, of course. We take um, things for granted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was, a, it just seemed like there was a lot of untapped potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I definitely have my frustrations with, with the last council and the way certain decisions went. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it seemed like, okay, well, it's time to, uh, it's time to, you know, step up and put some weight behind if I'm going to, I was writing letters to the editor about different stuff. I was, um, I was pretty involved in, in committees and, and it just seemed like a logical next step. Yeah. Um, but at the same time it was, uh, it was with rose colored glasses, right? Because until mm-hmm. you're sitting at that table, you really have no idea. Um, I, I think of some of the emails I I'd sent out to the council before and in hindsight it's like oh man what was i you know what was i thinking there what um i, I didn't have the, as big of a picture as mm-hmm. they as they were had access to um mm-hmm. from my perspective so that uh so yeah that's definitely one thing and then with the whole um it's been a tumultuous four years there's been a lot of um a, a lot of ups and downs politically in the town mm-hmm. and i think um we talk about all this change, but really, you know, change moves at the speed of trust. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, uh, those two haven't come forward in parallel. So it, it's, it's been a huge learning experience, bigger than, uh, going to school. But, um, uh, <laughs> when I think back on what got me into it, it was a lot of rose colored, uh, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was going to be, I, I'm not sure if, 
I knew what I was getting into, but I was enthusiastic about it. So, so now you do know what you're getting into and you're, well, you're undecided as whether you're going, whether going, whether you're going to attempt to get that into that again or not, but there's like two and a half weeks left, right? Two and a half weeks left to decide. So other people out there that are, that are spinning it around in their minds that are maybe going to, yeah. you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to try. What's your advice to somebody like that? Who's undecided yet? Who, you know, right, what should they it. know? They need, they need to, um, they need to know it's a huge time commitment. It's like having a full-time job and there's no, um, there's no way that the honorarium or the, the you know, the monthly check you get is ever going to equate to the hours you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the financial consideration of it is is significant or if that's what's weighing you, maybe it's not the best. But yep. if you're passionate about something, put your name in, get get your ideas organized, get your, uh, your pamphlet or your platform together. Um, democracy only works if we're all doing something, right? It's mm-hmm. we all have a voice, but we also all have the responsibility of, um, of using that voice effectively. And, and this is the time that, uh, this is the one time every four years that, that the votes are taken. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you've got that passion, I, I would go for it. I would, uh, you know, however it's meant to work out, it'll work out. But, yep. um, there's, uh, and especially if, if you don't see yourself represented up there, um, that's why we need you up there. You mm-hmm. know, I know, I'm sure it can be discouraging. I found it discouraging, you know, not seeing, um, a lot of diversity up there and especially in past councils, like, and and we think we've got, I think we've had seven women on council since the founding of the town and three of them are up there right now. So, um, so yeah, I don't know that that's a hard question. It's a, it's really specific to the person too, I guess. Yeah. I think that's some good advice. Now, what about flipping to say the voters side, like me, for instance, I mentioned, I saw signs on lawns, four years ago when I was driving through town looking at houses. Um, but when you talk about candidates who have put their hat in the ring, um, how are they sharing their platform? What's the best way as a citizen for me to really vet the candidates? How do I really know what I'm getting into? And yeah. what, what happens in town that I might not know about? Like what is, is there a public, do they do it? Is there like a debate? Is there a night at the community center that everybody can go to and, what are the the various ways to absorb the platforms and the messages of the candidates? Yeah, so the debate's the big one. Okay. Um, the problem with the debate, in my view, is that you've got, I think the last time we had 13 candidates up there, mm-hmm. and we had an hour, an hour and a half. I don't think it was two hours. Anyway, but it's a short amount of time for 13 people, so you're yeah. never going to get everybody's opinion on everything. And how it worked last time was that a, a topic would come up, a question would come up, uh three or four people could ring in on it and then it was on to the next one. So you didn't even get a consistent sampling across the board. Right. Um, so tuning into the debate, I think is critical, especially for mayor because there's generally less candidates, right? Mm-hmm. So that you get a good, I think they went, um, the two of them went for a good hour, mm. um, if not more, but, uh, but for candidates, I, for me, it's like, I, I put a lot of effort into my pamphlet last time. Yeah. To me, that was the platform that was, okay, this is, this is the best I can, I can come up with to organize my thoughts. So are most of the candidates doing pamphlets then? I don't know because everybody, for me, it was pamphlets and door knocking. Yeah. Um, as a new, 
name on the ballot. I wanted to meet as many people as I could at the door, and I wanted to give them the pamphlet. And if they wanted to talk more, we could talk more, but you get that one-on-one interaction. And it's a small enough town that if you start knocking in August, you sh- you can get most of it done, especially if you've got some help uh, by the end of the uh, the campaign. Right. Um, but then you know you've got Facebook. Facebook can be a nuts. <laughs> the whole uh, I had to get off it back in after getting elected because I just I couldn't keep up with it anymore. Yeah. It was too much negativity getting fed in. I wasn't able to think straight and process that. So I don't know if I'm going to re-engage on that, but mm-hmm. it. It's hard to ignore it, right? Everybody's on there. Yeah. Um, so where does the debate happen? Debate happened last time at uh, Settlers Ridge Center. Okay. Um, at the Rotary Hall there. Okay, yeah. I don't know, like all of that stuff. I, I haven't heard anything on, on what it's going to be like for this year, but... And was it... It was broadcast as well? Yeah, it was broadcast on Kojiko. I assume it was posted online. Um, amazing turnout. Like you look at, uh, everybody likes to talk about disengagement or voter turnout or this or that, but that hall was full. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, the whole, I, the mall was busy that night. Um, so, so yeah, that, it's great to see that. Hopefully we get it again this year. Now, is it the, is it the tendency for people running for council to like, um, endorse, like a mayoral candidate it or, has or another or, or not, or how does that work? It really depends on who's running. Um, so it's up, it's up to them. They might, they might yeah. express support for one candidate or the other, or they might just keep their lips sealed or. I think you, if you look at the pamphlets or you look at people's materials, whatever yeah. they produce, you can kind of see, yeah. but I, I don't know cause it's not a party politics system, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's, whoever gets elected has to work together mm-hmm. and has to come up with consensus to make things happen. So mm-hmm. I could see how that could be counterproductive. Uh, I'm for a me big personally. fan of no parties myself. I hate political parties. I hate the whole like towing the line sort of have to agree with every, I, I would be so much happier if every riding I could just vote independently. And then all those people were forced to find a way to get along Yeah, later. So I'm, I'm good with that. I I wouldn't want to see party. I mean, especially if when you got what, like what, 13, 14 candidates. It's like, and so it's just, there's barely enough people there for one party. Yeah. Like it's, it's, um, and it's, it's not a, like there's no consolidation of power in the mm-hmm. leader's office, the way you yeah. see it, provincial, federal. Yeah. So, you know, the mayor's got the same vote as every counselor and, and anybody needs three other people to agree with them to get something right. passed. So, so what, so if the mayor has the same amount of weight voting in council, like what, what makes him special, him or her, that person, what makes that position special? What makes them mayor? Uh, that's a good question. I've never, read, I haven't looked at it that specifically because I've never really, you know, I've never looked at going for that kind of a position. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not as familiar with it. I think, um, it comes with a lot of influence and it comes with a lot of uh, a bigger presence in the community. Like you think yep. of the, all of the important pictures, all of the important events, you know, when somebody's, um, and, and it's in a really important role as kind of spokesperson because, um, you know, when something like Canopy's coming to town, that's the first mm-hmm. point of contact. There's, yep. there's all kinds of point of contacts with the mayor that um, give that first impression of the community. So, really important role um 
definitely a full-time job with the amount of hours that go into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then on the flip side, you know, not a ton of, uh, th- there's no strong mayor system the way they're, they're talking about in Ottawa or, and, uh, Toronto. So, so, you know what I mean? The, the drawbacks are that, that you don't have that veto power. You don't have, yeah. um, yeah. but also that keeps it from getting adversarial, I think, right. It, it keeps, uh, it keeps the mayor having to work with the council to build consensus on, on issues and not just hammering through a platform. Yeah. Interesting. I'm learning a lot. You thinking you're running? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Sometimes, it, well, I do think about it sometimes. I've thought about it before, but I, I don't think I'm going to do that. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think it's for me. I'm not very, I don't, I don't like to do too many regular things. I like to do mm. a lot of different things all the time. So, uh, putting out a podcast twice a month is regular enough for me, I think. Nice. I think I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick to that. Maybe I'll invite some candidates on though. Maybe I'll do like a group show. You can have a debate. That'd be cool. On a podcast or something like that. I don't know. I don't love to get too political. I'm not here to have fights, you know? Yeah. I'm here to have fun, fun talks and beers. You want a beer? They're probably cold by now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm going to grab a beer. Okay. I'll just, we'll just put a little sound effect in and a cut for my 15 second walk to the fridge. I'll be right back. Good old Pilsner. It's a classic. I haven't had one of these in years. Yeah. I used to, I used to work It's a Molson product. Didn't used to be, but Molson bought them. Oh, is ago. it? Yeah. Huh. So I used to drink it a lot because I, I worked for Molson for a number of years. No way, eh? And when we, it was like out doing like events and stuff, like I got to go to the Coors Light Mystery Mansion. Oh. Um, and like the Maxim Golf Tournaments and stuff like that. And when we were out on gigs, I was kind of mandated to drink Molson products. Like the corporate people would get mad if they saw me drinking like a Labatt Blue or a Keith's or something. So I always had to drink Molson products and I don't really like drinking Coors Light. So I would drink Pilsner. Yeah. Cause it's a Molson product. Okay. Sometimes I would drink Rickards Red cause it's a Molson product or, uh, Rickards White, which is no yeah. longer now. Rickards White is now, uh, Belgian Moon. Oh, is that what happened there? Same beer. Exact same beer. Yeah. That's what happened there. Cause what, ha- what actually happened is it's a beer in the States called Blue Moon. Okay. You had that? No. It's a very popular, it was a microbrew, got bought up by Molson because it was so popular. And, and, and that Blue Moon is like the beer that popularized the whole idea of a, an orange slice on huh. the beer. Because it's based on a Belgian wit, which is brewed with some orange peel in the recipe and stuff. And some coriander and it's a wheat beer, Belgian style. Um, and yeah, they did the orange slice. And like I met the original brewmaster from Blue from uh, blue moon and he like when he started i think it started in like was it boston it's like boston or maybe cincinnati huh. uh, some american city with a baseball team um and he but he used to go to the bars and deliver them oranges because none of them wanted to buy or like why am i gonna buy oranges i don't put we don't we're a bar we don't buy oranges we buy lemons and we buy limes not oranges so he would like always have to like for the, he spent the first like couple of years stocking them with oranges to, cause otherwise they wouldn't do it in the beer. And then it caught on and took it. Now everybody does it. Now everybody has oranges for putting on, you know, be it a, a blue moon or a, a Rickards white or a shock top or those Belgian style beers. But when they wanted to move that beer to Canada, um, I think it was like a trademark issue 
with uh, Labatt Blue. Okay. They're like, well, you can't release Blue Moon. There's too much. They'll think it's like a variation of Blue because basically Labatt owns the word Blue in association with beer. So they couldn't call it Blue Moon. <laughs> so they needed somewhere else to put it, and they called it Rickards White. Wow. That's because I remember Rickards White and it just, there was something about Rickards. Like you think Rickards, you think the Amber. Mm -hmm. Um, So the white just, it never clicked. Yeah. They wound up because they, they wound up coming. I think they came out with a Rickards blonde. Maybe they had a Rickards dark and then they did the Rickards white. Yep. Yeah. Um, And it was, it's like, it's, it's called it. Do they actually call it a white beer? They called a wit, which I think is just like Belgian for wheat. Okay. But sounds and looks like the word white, so they call it a white beer. Um, it's usually got a pretty frothy head on it, too, which sort of lasts a long, longer than on a lager or something, so the top of your beer is whiter longer, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, they called it Belgian or <laughs> Rickards White. It didn't really take off. Rickards White was net, like, there's a little interest when it first came out, especially because of the oranges, but it, then it just never really took off. I think it's because it's like, it's more of like a hipster micro brew kind of beer snob kind of beer and Rickards doesn't have that association. So, but, it, but then the beer is that kind of beer. So the people who like the simple, the simplicity of like a Rickards didn't like the beer and the people who like the beer didn't like the branding. So they rebranded it. Now it's Belgian moon and the logo and the colors looks, it looks all identical to blue moon. They've just like the word, instead of the word blue there, it's Belgian. Wow. So it's exact same beer though. Blue Moon, Rickards White, Belgian Moon, all the exact same beer, same recipe. I love those stories where it's like, there's so many things you have no idea went into the thought behind the branding and the product. Yeah. Like I would be one of those people where I like the beer, but I didn't like the branding. Yeah. And you know, if a Belgian Moon, a hot patio, it's a great, mm-hmm. a great option, but uh, I had no idea there was this whole. Branding's an interesting thing, man. It can take you a long way. You know, I was having this talk just the other day about beer specifically. Like, I mean, we're drinking Pilsner. It's fine. It's a fine beer. It's a very drinkable beer. It's a very beery beer. It's just like, it's not pulling any punches. It's just a a beer, an, an affordable beer at that, which is the biggest reason I buy them. Not because of how amazingly good they are, but because of how amazingly affordable they are. And they're completely drinkable. Yep. Um, but like, you know, you could have a completely drinkable beer. Could be my, maybe it's an ale, maybe it's a lager. Who cares? It's a drinkable beer, and you could, you might call it one thing or another thing. And you're if you call it B instead of A, you might sell twice as much. Yeah, you know, it's wild. Like remember when Barks Root Beer came out? You probably don't. You would have been like two years old when Barks Root yeah. came out. What am I even asking? <laughs> it's been out as long as I can remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember when it came out and uh, what am I actually, I'm actually confusing it with a, a beer. It was a beer that, that reminded me a lot of Barks branding. It was called Red Dog Beer. And it was like, this commercial had this real ugly looking bulldog come on and this real low grub red dog beer and, and it sold really well for it was a shitty beer but it sold really well when the branding came out because like oh it's cool it's red dog beer you know and i don't know like one of the beers i really like when i buy at the lcbo and buy it all the time it's called bone shaker hmm. it's a cool name it's a strong ipa i like ipas it's not necessarily any better than another strong ipa but if it was on the shelf and you could buy like bone shaker or you could have the exact same liquid in another can called like P 
pink butterfly. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, they're going to buy one or the other. Some people are going to prefer a pink butterfly. I would drink pink butterfly, but the sales are going to be different just based on the name, just based on the branding, you know? I like the bone shaker bike on it, right? They've mm. got the, uh, they've got the full package of the Skeleton branding. riding a bike. Yeah. Love it. Amsterdam brewery, I think makes that. I think so in Toronto. Yeah. Eh? yeah. They've got the three speed too. Yeah. That's like the, uh, the lighter cruiser, cruiser version, the session version of bone shaker. Basically. I think they got a bike beer for every, yeah. Uh, yeah. every occasion. So, uh, what kind of beers do you like? Um, I'm not picky. I like, yeah. uh, like I like it when there's a menu, you can kind of pick for what you're, you know, what you want for a sunny afternoon is going to mm-hmm. be different than a, mm-hmm. an evening or the season or et cetera. It, um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't have that, you know, I don't, I don't look for a certain thing. It's kind of, okay, what am I feeling? What am I eating? What am I, um, and then sometimes the, the choice works. Sometimes it doesn't, but that's the fun, right? Yep. Yep. Um, I'm a lot like that. I used to be really into like dark beers. Not so much anymore. I found them a little too sweet. Hmm. Into more bitter, bitter things these days. Yeah. Beer. But I like a good classic, just easy drinking Pilsner like this. I got a soft spot in my heart for Labatt 50. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I used to drink at the punk rock bars in Ottawa. Oh, cool. And then, uh, but yeah, good, a good beer fit for the, uh, fit for the occasion is always nice for sure. Checked out the post office yet? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, um, yeah, that corner booth. Yeah. Like you can bring a, you can have a party there. You've got, um, seeing that space too. Like I remember getting down there, um, they gave us a tour, I don't know, two or three years ago for council of the building kind of gutted and Mm -hmm. um like there was a vault down there uh for the mail room yeah yeah yeah. like they've incorporated all of this stuff into it and um the way they've been able to put this down there and and make this complete transformation without uh without affecting the outside architecture like there's no tacky sign hanging off the side of it there's no change to the windows or the um, you really get that speakeasy feel as you're yeah. going down the stairs. Eh? Yeah, it's fun. That kind of stuff. I could never have imagined something like that, you know, 10 years ago. And yeah, yeah, well, it seems like it's been real popular so far. I've, I've had the, uh, fortune of, uh, getting out there a few times, a couple exclusive visits too. I got, I got the, I got to go to the early menu tasting night, the pre-opening menu tasting night. And I've been helping Jill over there take some pictures and stuff, so I've gotten some sneak peeks at it. But love that place. So you're the man behind all of these shots on social media and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I took awesome. well, not all of them. Some of them are just from her. I mean, iPhones. Yeah, yeah, iPhones yeah. take great pictures these days. But yeah, about most of the if you go to the website, all the photos on the website, and I'd say probably about eighty percent of the Instagram photos are shots I took. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I have fun with the camera. It's nice. I like. It's one of the different things I like to do fill up my time with when you're not doing the sound on Russell street or <laughs> yeah, I do sound. Uh, I do. I'm working on a movie right now. Cool. Yeah. What, doing, uh, what's the story there? It's a horror movie. Hmm. It's being shot just like outside of Spencerville. As uh, my buddy, Doug, he's a cockney chimney sweep. Well, former chimney sweep. Now he's making movies. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah. Yeah. He left <laughs> chimney sweeping behind to uh to make movies 
and he's got uh, he had some success. He had uh, he made a movie called Stealing Chaplin, um, and it uh, I mean it's no blockbuster or anything, but they sold it to a streaming network. You can watch it on Tubi. Cool. Tubi's a free streaming network. I think it has like commercials, but anyway, um, it's a movie about two like con men who decide to grave rob Charlie Chaplin's body, which is actually a true story that happened. Um, and then hold the body for ransom. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's a comedy. You're supposed to laugh. Yeah, it's a comedy. Um, and then they made just a horror movie, made a horror movie. People get lost in the woods. They get captured. They get hacked up by meat cleavers a slasher flick and, they, and it's called butchers and, uh, it got sold to Amazon prime. Wow. And so you can watch it on Amazon prime. Um, and it's doing okay. And, uh, so they got, uh, they got two sequels ordered, ordered. So I'm working on butchers two, huh? Being shot in the woods outside Spencerville. Do you think there's more movies happening in Eastern Ontario these days, or is it oh, just, yeah, for sure. there yeah. is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, um, my brother-in-law is, uh, he works with a film crew in Ottawa. He's their locations manager. Good. And he was, so he was like the, the stuff that filmed in town, not like the TVO stuff, but like there were, there were two, uh, Hallmark movies that shot in town. And I say Hallmark movies as a bit of colloquialism. I don't think they were actual Hallmark movies, but that's that's the lingo. They get called Hallmark movies, whether they're for Lifetime or actual Hallmark. You know, just those kinds of movies. Um, <clears throat> the one that shot at the train station here in town, that was, uh, what was it called? I can't remember what it was called, which is bad because my brother was one of the actors in it. My oh. brother-in-law was the, lo- <laughs> was the locations manager. Wow. My brother is an actor, and he was one of the leads in it. Not the lead leads, uh, but he played like the older brother. Um, and that was like the first, it was, it was a Lifetime movie. It was Lifetime's first ever LGBT movie. Oh, it was the first? First ever. Huh. The Lifetime has ever made or aired. It was like a typical Christmas romance movie, but... Uh, the leads were two men and I was a first for a lifetime. So that shot in town. My brother was in it and my, uh, my brother-in-law was locations manager and then they shot another one. I don't know. Some other Christmas movie. I think it was something about dogs or dogs or something that shot just around the corner from my house. They shot, they used a house on maple. Oh, wow. Eh? Yeah. They it's got like a whole setup. Like they dust it with, cause they shoot so many in the summer. So they're dusting the properties with like fake snow and putting up <laughs> Christmas lights and they, they winterize, they Christmasify these places and make them look like winter and summer. I find when I watch that stuff, I get the most enjoyment out of just seeing the familiar setting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you try to see, okay, where's that? Where's this? Yeah. Um, it's amazing how they were able to make the railway museum look like it just, it's all yeah. like the lighting and it's incredible. Yeah. Right? I'd it's love if it looked up. like that, like from every angle every day, all the time. Yeah. We should, we should get film crews in this town <laughs> to like spruce up this whole town. We need some urban planning done. Um, but yeah, a lot like, and they, they read, they like small towns are so there's such good settings to film in. There's so many good visuals. Um, and so there is a lot more stuff happening in these, it, it, not, not only in Eastern Ontario, cause the, that is true. Cause the, especially the Ottawa scene is, is growing quite a bit. Um, people are 
you know, people started making movies in Toronto and Vancouver. Why? Because it was so much cheaper than doing it in LA. Yeah. And that gap is closing. Really? Well, I mean, when it, when it, when it costs like 3000 a month for a bachelor apartment in Vancouver, that sort of sets the tone of the whole economy. Right. Okay. So if those are rental prices, like what do movies have to do, but rent out sets? Yeah, fair. I think of the dollar as being that, but you don't think of the cost of living. It's 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 all a part of it, you know. So I mean, it's it's probably still. I'm not saying it's not cheaper at this point to film in Vancouver versus uh, versus L.A. But I mean, the the truth is, a lot of the sort of savings that they get are are like tax incentives from the government, yeah, and tax breaks. That's where they're that's where they're getting a lot of savings. They're they're getting money back because they're government incentives they want that industry to come to come to town and try to help bolster the economy and so i mean that happens on a smaller scale too and that's we see that um i mean we're seeing more stuff being shot in this town it's a nice place just like we were saying earlier you know people come in from out of town it's like this place is beautiful yeah well it's beautiful on camera too so it's great place to shoot movies and there's we're gonna see i i think we're gonna see a lot more of that over the next few years in this town um Especially because I've heard from my brother-in-law, who's a locations manager, and they shoot. They've shot in Carlton Place a lot. They've shot in Almont a ton, but they can only shoot in one place for so long before the the novelty wears off to the locals. Yeah, yeah. And they call that bur- <laughs> they call that burning a town. Really? Yeah. So he was telling me he's like, "Yeah, we pretty much burned Almont. Like they like." When they first come in, we want to shoot. You want to shoot a movie in our little town? Oh, so cool! Yeah. And then, like two years later, you're shutting down the street again. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've seen how angry people get from some people get just from trying to shut down Russell Street for one Saturday night to have a have a street party. You know? Yeah. Imagine shutting down a thing for a whole week just so some I think rich it's- company can make a crappy TV movie. We're still at that phase where we're flattered they picked us. It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. welcome. Yeah, we'll be into it. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, eventually, eventually the town gets tired of it. But uh, yeah, I was just having a chat. I was having a chat with somebody from town about that. They were uh, just wondering that they wanted to think about like creating some sort of film policy for for town. Yeah, policy, more policy. We love policy. Um, but re- I, I think more as a, as a means to uh, simplify and incentivize people to to come to town which i think uh at its core is a pretty good idea there's a there's a lot of resources in this town that uh, i think a lot of locations managers and filmmakers are not even aware of it'd be fun to see more stuff happen in this town like that yeah it's amazing even seeing the pictures like you know you're scrolling on instagram and you see an angle or a location that somebody's noticed and they've snapped and Mm -hmm. it's like wow that that's at home yeah (laughs) i gotta walk over there uh, so then you take it to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. So water treatment, what is your day job? Uh, so I'm a water, well, I don't know. What's my, uh, I just switched to the federal government. So, um, I'm working on dams and, uh, and rivers and, okay. uh, they need engineering work done on them. Yeah. And, uh, I'm still, I'm pretty new, so I'm still figuring it out, but, uh, but neat structures and, mm-hmm. um, and we see it in town, right? We've mm-hmm. got the canal going through. Yeah. I don't work on anything in town, but mm-hmm. the same stuff. Just and with work from home, you can you can be working on a dam or a river anywhere almost. Right. So and, you're full uh, work from home now. Full work from home, unless I need to be at a site. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so when did you make the switch? Uh, May 9th. And where were you before? 
I was at a conservation authority in Carlton Place, okay. so uh, Mississippi Valley Conservation yeah, Authority. Yeah. They got uh, that's a cool river because there's not a ton of development on it mm-hmm. upstream of Carlton Place. So uh, they had eleven dams, and uh, they had some dams for OPG that they'd operate. But um, but it's neat because every time a storm system comes through, there's different conditions. Um, every spring, you've you know if you've got high water, you've got interesting stuff to manage, and uh, so it was like floodplain management the primary goal of these dams. Uh, it depends. Some of them are just purely recreational. They've been built because back in the logging days, you'd need a dam to push the logs down the river. Yeah, yeah. Um, other ones are uh, are for hydro generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ones are, are just a combination of, you know, this time of year, they're doing more recreation stuff. This time of year, they're doing more uh, hydro generation. This time of year, they're doing flood mitigation. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then you compare it to the Rideau Canal where you've got navigation is the primary right there's mm-hmm. uh you don't have that same kind of mix everybody else has to kind of work around the navigation mm-hmm. um but we've got a lot of rivers in canada and they're all interesting that's that's i guess why i got into it so then like in a day of work for you like what's really like you focused on the site and figuring out how to get the right kind of dam installed or are you like designing new dam technologies Mm. so it it could be it really depends what your role is and and especially in the smaller organizations it's you know you've got a bunch of different hats to wear yeah um if you're doing water management water management's the day-to-day decision making on what logs going in what dam to usually there's something called a water management plan so you you've got this water management plan to follow um, and it's based on, you know, what the residents around the lake want, what the hydro producers need, what, um, the fish need. Mm-hmm. And so you go in every morning and you check the levels and, and sometimes when things are really moving or if a storm comes through, it's really dynamic. But then if, uh, if it hasn't rained in two weeks and things are stable, it, it doesn't take as much time. Mm. Um, these assets, like any assets are aging, um, and so there's a lot of capital projects too, right? Where there's kind of interesting rebuilds or um, could we rebuild this dam into a weir so it's less maintenance and less operating cost? Uh, What's a weir? A weir is just like a, a a set level that the water flows over. So it's not adjustable. Uh, gotcha. So you think Carlton Place, there's one right downtown beside the dam. Um, in Smith Falls, all of, the, uh, all of the locks have a dam beside them, but I can't think of a good example in town. I think they're all dams. I don't know if we've, I haven't looked at them that closely. But a weird be like a, it's kind of like a, so it kind of sounds like it reminds me of an infinity pool. Have you ever <laughs> seen one of those? No, it's a. It's when they build a pool. Okay. Like a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. It's usually like in the hills and it's usually near the ocean. Might be like a couple of kilometers away from the ocean, but like up in the hills. Yeah, yeah. And then they fill, they, they basically, you fill the whole pool up. And then the side that is facing outwards from the hill and towards the ocean, the water goes right up to the edge so that it spills. Okay, it I've spills seen pictures. Over the edge. And then it there's a secondary sort of band around that side of the pool that catches the water. And, and so you're not just losing water all the time. Yeah, it yeah. cycles it back in. But because it's always like right at like surface tension level, right, basically constantly spilling over when you're like in the pool and you look at the ocean and look at the horizon, it, it appears as if the ocean is just turning into your pool. <laughs> hence so the, yeah. Hence the infinity part. 
So it's got little weir. It's like a weir around the it's edge a weir. of it. Yeah. Yeah. There it's you a weir go. Pool. A weir pool. <laughs> you get to uh, get the knockoffs on the market there. It, uh, so yeah, yeah, they're fancy. It. Um, I've seen pictures of it, but I can't imagine. I don't know. Maybe we need one in town. I don't think we have the right <laughs> landscape for an infinity pool in town. Maybe, maybe the people who live like, you know, uh, by, um, their backyards have that big hill Yep. by, uh, lower reach. Yep. Yeah. You could build an infinity pool maybe there. If you put it in just the right spot so that the perspective li- lined up with the Rito. Looks down towards Kilmarnock. Yeah, you could have, you could maybe have a, an infinity pool there. An infinity weir. <laughs> So you like working with water? Yeah, it's uh, it, it was something that when I was going to school, I got an internship, and it just it was a really hands-on, practical application for all this theoretical stuff I was learning, and uh, and I've just kind of gone from it from there. But it's it's pretty niche, right? So it's um, uh, it, it's good with work from home. There's a bit more options because because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's it's not like there's a hundred jobs to to pick from or anything in the area. So yeah. Yeah, it. Uh, it's funny how you get into stuff. Eh? You kind of yeah. make one decision, and that leads to another. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I've done a lot of different jobs. It's interesting where you wind up. Sometimes I, uh, for years, I wound up with a secondary uh, expertise in a in auto parts quality assurance. Wow, that's the job. I <clears throat> started working in factories a lot when I was a musician, and I'd have to pick up temp work. Okay in between tours and gigs and stuff. Um, and, uh, I just sort of fell into that and it's like opportunity to make more money get a promotion, do more. And I went up doing a lot of auto parts inspection, especially huh. on Chrome parts. Did this checking for, it was down in Guelph. Yeah. Well, wow. there before I moved up here, checked parts for Lexus and GMC and Ford and Toyota. Like your resume has got to be, just a conversation piece on itself with you got yeah, Molson, you got, <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot. Sometimes like I'm talking with my wife and I'll bring up like something that I used to, I'm like, yeah, I, like I, I know about that. I used to do that for a living. She's like, no, you didn't I'm like, yeah, I totally, <laughs> I totally did that for like a while. Chased hot air balloons for a little while. How do you chase hot air balloons? You have to chase hot air balloons cause you don't know where they're going to land. Oh, you're chasing them from the ground to see yeah, where you it's start. Gonna... You start with them and you help them take off, and the pilot goes. But like, you can't steer on air balloon. You just go. You can decide like timing of when you want to land. So you got to chase it, and then you're on walkies, walkie talkies, and the pilot will radio down to you and be like. I found like I'm going to land in this field over there. It lines up with my path and I'll change the heat. So we land in that, in that field over there. Then you have to go and knock on like the farmhouse door that owns that field to ask their permission to land in their field. Cause it's private property and 99 times out of a hundred, they say yes. And you gift the farmer a bottle of champagne. Nice. <laughs> Cause when you land, everybody celebrates their hot air balloon trip by uh, cheersing with a glass of champagne. So you bring two bottles, one for the passengers and one for the farmer that let you land in his field. One of the perks of uh, being a farmer, I never... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it doesn't happen often. Yeah. Most farmers probably uh, have never had it happen. 
probably depends on, I'm sure there's a lot of farmers that have it multiple times because they're in that sort yep. of wind path on the regular. When it depends the crop too, right? If you had corn or wheat or something oh, yeah. ready you to go, land, like you can't land a hot air balloon in a, uh, you know, cornfield. It's not comfortably. Got a text I need to respond to. It's about work tomorrow. You don't have the holiday, eh? Uh, well, I don't know. That's what I'm figuring out. They're telling me. <laughs> is this your work? Like, or is this something else? What is my? Is the podcast my work? No, the studio. The uh, the studio. Uh, yeah, I'm in the studio. Is definitely part of my work. I've recorded a couple records in here for bands and okay. artists. Um, I make do some video work back here. Um, I teach drama lessons mm-hmm. back here. Um, but these days, like I said, I've been working on that movie. That's what I was just texting about was that movie. Yeah, okay. Deciding whether they're going to shoot tomorrow or not on the holiday. Um, and then uh, I do a, a certain amount of real estate videos these days. Now you've got the drone yeah, shots. Yeah, I do and the, drone, the drone shots for the houses. A lot of sort of larger acreages and waterfront properties and stuff that benefit from that type of footage. Neat. Um, do some voiceovers. Um, but this podcast is, is, is work too. Yeah. It's work. Got some sponsors on board this year. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's paying its way. It's exciting to hear. It's growing. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm happy. Happy for myself. I'm happy for you too. Thanks, man. (laughs) Thanks. Well, it's just, it's a cool thing that never, never existed before. And, and just, uh, I guess somebody has got to do all that stuff. Right. But when you get to meet the person and yeah, and we lost our radio station. Well, we lost it a while ago. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, we lost the last sort of semblance of it. I think, I mean, they still claim to be a Smith Falls station or that they cover Smith Falls just because they happen to broadcast here and announce what temperature it is in Smith Falls. I feel like it's a CRTC thing where that's the, that's the place name on the license. Maybe, or is that, is that fair? Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's because the license is for the, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, like they did broadcast here and still do, but their tower, like they don't broadcast from a local tower. Like I think their towers in like bells corners now. Okay. And, and so when they, when they are like saying, who they service is like, they say like, I think they say like Ottawa, Canada and Stitz Falls or something or Ottawa, Carlton place and Smith Falls. Um, but they list like little bits of Smith Falls news and the Smith Falls weather and stuff. And it's a station that my mom listened to before they made that switch. She's like, she called me up one day. She's like, we're talking <laughs> about Smith Falls now. When did this become, why am I hearing about you? I'm like, it's cause this thing happened with the radio station. They used to broadcast from a town. Now they don't. Huh? Um, and that was, that was right around the time I decided to start this thing up when we, when we lost any sort of local radio, thought we needed something like this. Oh, interesting. It's, is that, have you worked in radio before or is that Uh, a uh, little bit, a little bit like not, I mean, not worked. I wouldn't say worked. I used to host a, uh, community college, like, well, not a community call, but a college radio station, uh, a show on, it was actually in Ottawa, Ottawa U. Yeah. Oh, cool. C, CFRU, I think it's called. Yeah. CFRU. CKCU, it's Carlton. CKCU. CF, no, wait. CHUO. CHUO, that's CHUO. it. Yeah. 
I don't know what CFRU is. It's something. CHU, uh, though. Yeah. Used to hold host like a Saturdays at midnight. It's a heavy metal radio <laughs> show. Aggressive. Yeah. Hosted it with my buddy. It was called Force Fed. He hosted it for a long time. I joined him for like a year or two. And then I've uh, I've done like a little bit of other podcast stuff outside of this podcast here and there. And uh, I'm definitely no stranger to like recording, recording voices. I've done uh, done a bunch of voiceover stuff. Even done a couple cartoon voices <laughs> here and there. Cool. Yeah, it's fun, fun stuff. So, you play a little bit of music. Um, well, I play piano, but yeah. not. Uh you know nothing but you play piano yeah it's it's a hobby uh i used to play at the church there that was the only venue that was uh interested but didn't i hear, uh, didn't you tell me one time you were playing at like funerals yep yeah, yeah funerals are the best because everybody's always happy yeah. uh weddings it's like you can you know weddings are high pressure and sometimes interesting they're what, what do you mean they're always happy i thought people were sad at funerals they're always happy with the music gotcha they're always happy with the job you've done i've never had negative feedback at a funeral and the funeral songs are slower yeah um so that makes them easier to play Mm -hmm. and uh and they're usually not as you know a wedding's booked a year or two in advance where a funeral's a couple days so there's not that expectation of but that's more than a hobby that's a that's a gig right they pay you money not really like they don't pay you money what depends, right? It's it's more of a, a friends or family. Okay, um, okay. Sometimes there's money, sometimes there isn't. But uh, but it's only like I'd only do it at the church I go to. And right. but you have received pay in exchange for playing music. Yes, I so guess. So you're technically, a pro musician. Yeah. You're a pro musician. You're a professional. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Professional funeral musician. That uh, I knew this girl. She was like a singer songwriter and she had bands and stuff and doing yeah. that for years. She played funerals all the time. She said a lot of the same stuff you do. She's like, funerals are the best gigs. Everybody's always happy. I feel like I'm making a difference in that event. Yeah, it's you a know? meaningful liturgy. You know, there there's 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 meaning to it and and you know she was always she was always they pay great too. You know, they're dropping like these people are dropping six grand on a casket. They have no problem with my fee. Well, yeah, funerals are expensive. Like yeah. I, uh, I don't understand the. I I don't know. I just I don't have that motivation to go out and spend what I spent more than what I spent on a car. On a, yeah, on a casket I, I would want to do that. I kind of want to build my own casket. Me too. I've always thought, like you know, could you get the pine or just build one? You know, if you if you had a loved one that needed one, because mm-hmm. it can't be that hard to put one together. Amber, my lovely wife, when she, she did the, um, starter company plus program here in town when we were first starting, uh, first starting this place. And one of the participants in that program was, um, can't remember the name of the company, but it was a, a casket company. Okay. And, and it was, but it's, it's a, it was like a sustainable materials, affordable, eco friendly casket company. So it's like for about, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the price was, but you know, I know caskets can get pretty expensive. So I think it was like maybe 1500 bucks. You get like a casket kit and can build your own casket. Cool. That was their whole business idea. I don't know. How, I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know how, how, how it took off, but I remember thinking it was pretty neat, but I've always thought it would be cool. It'd be sort of uh, an interesting exercise for confronting your own mortality. 
yeah to build yeah. to build the box that they're going to put you in and i feel like hands. it's an industry that hasn't had a lot of disruption that i don't know it's probably ready for something i guess cremation's big now right so that takes the casket out of it completely um, cremation's really big yeah yeah i don't know if i'll get cremated or not i don't living around here where we have lots of space i I'll probably be out on Highway 15 there and <laughs> whenever like, my time comes. I think I'd like to be stuffed and mounted. Interesting. that in, like uh, a, in an attack position. And how do the kids feel about this? <laughs> well, they probably like seeing me around. I'd still be, yeah. hu- I'd still be technically huggable. I'll get, uh, I'll, fine, I'll change it. I won't be in attack position. I'll be in hug position. I'll just be like, have my arms kind of out there so you can slip in for a hug. Yeah. So anybody yeah. who's missing a hug from me can still go get one anytime. But the, the attack position is a hug position too for yeah. anybody that yeah, can. Yeah, we could go for like both. <laughs> Big bear hug. Big bear hug. Yeah. Those things don't age well and they're hard to clean. Yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> then there'd be a matter of finding somebody who specializes in human taxidermy. I wouldn't even want to meet that person. That uh, That's a horror movie plot right there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it should stick to that horror movie plot. I know some guys making horror movies. Maybe I'll pitch the idea. But you play piano. Yeah. How long have you been playing piano? Um, oh, since I was six. It, yeah. uh, I'm glad. Like, going through it, I remember there was times where I wasn't as into it. And my parents, you know, they make they get you to stick with it. And I'm really glad because now it's like riding a bike, right? You can sit down in front of a piano and you can't... Um, I can get enjoyment out of it. I can, you know, play along with it. And um, that's awesome. That's... Uh, it's it's one of those things where you don't appreciate it as you're going through, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a kid growing up with it. But mm-hmm. you go the whole conservatory route. Or yeah, anything? the the gate the the uh, conservatory. Like, what did I do? I guess, I, yeah, no, I started in grade one, and then I went to grade eight, and then at grade eight, I was like, I'm I'm done with this. I don't want to yeah. be a music teacher. But um, the day that. Uh, I made the connection that, you know, triads were chords. Mm-hmm. It's like mind blown, you yeah. know, like why has yeah. nobody showed me this? But, uh, that was my first lesson. And that's pretty much where I stopped. I can play chords. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. And then I can play arpeggios, which are just chords. Yeah. One, one note at a time. And that's basically what I can do. Um, only in C. Okay. I never touch a black key. I only play the white ones. Nice. That's uh, that's as far as I've gotten. But that's it's like um, it's like anything, right? If you can get down there and express yourself, mission accomplished, right? Yeah, it does the trick for what I need because I only, I mean, I only hop on the piano a certain amount of time anyway. Yes, yeah. I'm a guitar player first, but sometimes it's nice to hop down and on the piano bench and, and just get that different feel and instrumentation. It's a, it's a good songwriting tool for me, I find. But uh, the songs are all in the same key. Nice, yeah. I can, I can, I can do it on a digital, and I can, I can then transpose on my computer really yep. easy because I record the MIDI, so I can move the key around for a song like that if I need to. But in terms of my fingers, I can't. I have not. My brain has not absorbed the sharps. Hmm. It's different on a guitar. It doesn't matter. You can transpose on a guitar on the fly anytime you want. You want to play it one semitone higher that's fine just slide your hand up one inch and play everything identically you have to learn 
everything 12 different ways on the piano. Yeah. If you want to be able to play in truly every key. Yeah. When the singer and the guitar player decide they want it a little lower, a little higher, and you're scrambling to read. Exactly. That scrambling doesn't exist on a guitar. You just move your capo. Yeah. I don't have any stringed experience Mm -hmm. like guitar. Like I get, I see them moving it around. I know it can change the key for them, but yeah. Yeah. It's just the the sharp. I mean, the sharps and flats are all there, but they're not they're not squished into a different shape and different position. Yeah. They're just they're just the next note on the guitar. So when I'm on a guitar, I'm not really thinking of sharps sharps and flats because even when I, like I didn't really learn how to use read music on guitar, but I did learn how to read tab, which is just like instead of having five lines. Um, and then dots that are either on a line or in between the lines, <laughs> um, there's six lines. Why? Because there's six strings on a guitar. And then instead of b- there being a note, they just put a number. And that's the fret that your finger should be on. Oh, neat. And that's okay. how guitar tab works. So with that way, you're not thinking sharp, flat, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You're just thinking zero means I don't, put a finger down one means I put a finger down on the first fret nine, nine on, on this line means I put the ninth fret on that string. It's just really. Yeah. A very simple manual for playing whatever you want on the guitar, but with no thought of sharps, flats, keys, anything. It's just, these are the, this is what you play. Nice. So that's that's how I did guitar. Was tab. Cool. You can just move anything around you want. You can move it anywhere you want. Piano way harder. So I just uh, have a bit of a block and trying to learn that. I kind of want to. I have this idea where I'd like to get a whole bunch of more like black keys. Yeah. And glue them to the tops of the white keys, <laughs> so that I just have like eighty-eight black keys to get started. So then I can just play them from the mindset of a guitar player. Okay. Cause then I'll probably even put like little circle dots on the black keys in the same like intervals that they are on the neck of a guitar. But once you get going on it, I feel like I wouldn't want to lose that differentiation cause it's a placeholder, right? When you, yeah, especially yeah, I mean, like it would be, it's definitely, it would make it way harder to try and play without looking at what you're playing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things on the piano is like, you can always know where you are just sort of by kind of brailing it, you know? Yeah. Finding your position because there's, well, there's three black keys here and there's two here. I, I know where I am. It's like feeling those bumps on the computer keyboard. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, you don't get, you don't, you don't, I mean, you don't get to do that on guitar and I can still play guitar with my eyes closed. It's just a matter of practice. So I guess I think you'd get it. I think you'd get it. Or maybe I could like make some of the black keys like just a little bit longer. So you still had that ability to sort of rub by them and yeah, figure yeah. out where you are. Oh, probably won't work. It's probably a stupid idea, but you create your whole new instrument. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buddy of mine's building a bunch of instruments right now. I think, I think the idea of building your own instruments is really cool. And not just the idea of like, I'm going to build my own guitar, but like I'm going to build something, a thing that makes cool sounds that, doesn't have a name like a guitar because nobody's ever made one before. Yeah. Like it's, if you can make it vibrate or you can make it 
you know, like tubes that you yeah, cut yeah. to different lengths. Like those street performers yeah. you can see. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what they can do with buckets, like drumming on the buckets mm-hmm. with the different tones they yeah, create. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so like anything's possible with, with music. Right? I thought about doing a, a bucket drumming class here, like a group. Cool. Like 10 people, like all like banging, follow these patterns sort of things, speed them up slowly, basic stuff. But yeah, yeah. Just fun, tribal sort of rhythmic. Great kind of introduction stuff. to... I got the idea from my mom because she used to take a drumming class and it was like, but it was like a drummer size class. <laughs> and I think, I think in her class they didn't use, they didn't hit buckets. They used actual drumsticks, but they, I think they were hitting like yoga balls or something. They're playing on yoga balls. Interesting. Eh? I've never seen that. I think I have that right. But she loved it. It was just so much fun. They didn't play anything that was hard to play. And it was like a lot of big arm movements. So like you, you weren't even worried about having like good drummer technique. It was just good exercise, broke a sweat, played along to the rhythm. I feel that'd be really fun for a lot of people. It'd be good to get that. Um, like it's always hard to get a drummer. It's like the goalie, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Hot commodity. yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, especially for church, uh, <laughs> gigs, if you call them that, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not something that's out there, but when you're playing with the drums and the drums, keeping everybody on beat, it's such a game changer. It elevates it so much. Um, even like a djembe or just anything really gives you that, um, gives you that rhythm that you can kind of, at least on the keyboard, it kind of frees you up for other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It gives you that backbone. Yeah. I mean like pianos percussion. So when you're playing by yourself or if you have no other percussion, you kind of become a bit of the rhythm section. Yeah, on, on piano. So if you have somebody taking over the rhythm in a more strong way, and you get to lean on that, yeah, I can totally see that changes change the feel for sure. That's like when you play playing piano with a full band versus playing piano by yourself. Way different, right? You can play a lot more simply and a lot more basic, straightforward chords when there's like a guitar in there or a bassoon in there or a clarinet or oboe yeah. player or whoever else filling up all that space can't step on each other's two toes too much you know you gotta leave gotta leave room when you get to do like really simple stuff but really powerful like you get mm. to really focus on on what your sound is yeah whereas if i'm playing alone i've got like big heavy bass to fill yeah. in the back yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah it's a so what kind of music do you like to listen to Oh, uh, it'd be easier to say what kind of music do I not really like to listen right. to. I'm pretty. So, what kind of music do you not like to listen to? Uh, I have a hard time. I really like lyrics, so yeah. um, I have a hard time getting into s- certain like. There's electronic music I can get into uh-huh. if I'm in a certain mood for it, yeah. but I wouldn't say that I, I like. I don't dive into that genre the way um, I could a lot of others and then and then hip-hop's one where i just i've never had that uh i don't know i just i've never had that exposure to it in a mm-hmm. way that that opened it up for me i guess yeah. um so it, i have a hard time really getting into it mm-hmm. um but yeah my playlist would be all over the place <laughs> it's uh, i was having this conversation earlier today actually um it uh yeah i don't know i i, I really like um I really like anything with good lyrics mm-hmm. or musical, like, um, instrumental stuff, like, like the Celtic stuff, anything with a fiddle's great. Yeah. Um, 
this bluegrass stuff that's moved to town. I want to uh, I want to check that out more because it's it's another thing that I've never really had a lot of exposure to. Yep. But uh, we've got a bunch of guys moving to town that that do that. Um, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who's told me that they hate bluegrass. Oh, I have. Have you? Yeah, I've never have. I don't Usually, know. I th- find it a pretty uni- like like if I mention jazz, it's probably like seventy thirty. Really, seventy seventy percent hate. Really? Yeah, but that's find, like jazz is a pretty hated kind of music. I think it's such a backbone. Yeah, it is for sure. And then hmm. you got the typical like I like everything except for hip hop and country. See, country and. Uh, country's, you know, controversial. Are we talking like the, the poppy? Yeah. You know what? I think I, that's where it always seems to go. No, not the poppy stuff. Let's just say that. Not the pop. Like you, yeah. you like Johnny Cash? Who doesn't, right? Yeah. So you like country. Yeah. So, so yeah. right. Who doesn't? So everybody likes country because everybody likes Johnny Cash. I think up until, I don't know, somewhere in the 2000s, some in the new millennium, the country... It, it just got too poppy. It got, yeah, I mean, I felt that way in like the eighties and nineties, but these days I would, I would, I would pick, I would take the eighties and nineties pop country over today's <laughs> pop country. For so sure. I remember riding on the school bus, and the school bus driver, like this is when I was a kid, I don't know, yeah. ten or eleven, twelve, and uh, elementary school, and and they'd always have the country station on, and that was the Smith Falls station, yeah. and uh, it was awful. It was the worst stuff. And I don't know if it's nostalgia or what, but when I moved to Montreal, I, I hated country until I moved to Montreal. And then there was something about living in the city that mm-hmm. it was like nostalgia or whatever um, that opened me up to it. And then I got into the country classics. I got into the uh, the 90s stuff. And I was like, oh, there's some good stuff in yeah. here. Like not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was some really, even out of radio country, there was some good stuff that came out of that. I mean, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is one, yeah. of, one of the best to ever do it. He's so good. He's so good. Um, And I liked a little bit of, I don't know. Alan Jackson, maybe he was okay. Um, Shania Twain had some good songs, you know. Yeah, she. Uh, um, but uh, some of the stuff that comes out today, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't like to like shit on it too much because then I just feel like it makes me feel old. Makes <laughs> me feel old to like sit here and complain about the new music coming out and talk about how music from my day was better. That just makes me feel old. But I don't so I think don't like to spend too much time doing that. But. Like it's not a paintbrush. Like I could say, um, like arcade fires, new album came out, right? Um, really interesting stuff on there. Uh, it's brand new. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's probably the most, uh, like the softest stuff they've come out with to date. Um, for, you know what I mean? Like maybe a little bit of that country mm-hmm. sound or mm-hmm. acoustic sound to it. Yeah. Um, but I have no problem with that. I, I, I love digging into that and kind of, it's the kind of thing where you'd listen to it start to finish album, right. And, and try to see what they're, yeah. what they're trying to share. And, um, but I can't, there's not very many country albums I can get that out of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, like when I grew up, I like from a young age, I assumed I hated country because I would turn mm-hmm. on the country radio station or it would come on or I'd go buy it and I would hate what I heard. But the music, like some of my first musical loves were like John Fogarty yeah. and Steve Earle. And I didn't know they were country. I literally, yeah. until like I grew up and then got nostalgic about that music started. I, I pulled up Steve Earle on iTunes. This was like 
a couple years into iTunes. I pulled them up on iTunes. Like I'm looking for this album I really like from Steve Earle. And I'm like, why do they have this in the country section? <laughs> Steve Earle in the country section. What? And then I'm sitting here thinking about it. It's like, I had just never categorized him when I was seven years old, listening to him on tape in my dad's car. Just never thought about it. And today, like I listen to it and like, oh, it's a big Bree Ruby snare. Oh, that's a pedal steel. Oh, there's some mandolin. There's some fiddle. This is country. Yeah. yeah. And it just hit me as soon as like, oh, it is country, but it's just like I didn't understand that I was like raised on country music essentially. I just hated the radio stuff. Yeah. That I thought was country music. So that sort of opened me that that was like the moment that sort of opened me back up to a bunch of other stuff I think I was probably avoiding because it was like at my at that point for so long it felt like part of my identity to hate country music yeah me too and then and then i realized oh i i don't hate it i just hate the stuff i hate and there's lots of good stuff and the, and the floodgates kind of open from there and then shortly after that do you listen to any ray lamontang yep yeah. he did a country record yep yeah and it's awesome i love that's yeah. probably my favorite record he's ever done and that's uh, god willing on the creek don't rise yeah Good record. Yeah. Ray LaMontagne and the Pariah Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him tour that record too. I saw him play with saw him play with Gord Downing and Daniel Lenoir. Wow. What year would that have been now? That would have been it was my son's first concert, so that would have been eleven years ago. Wow. That would have been twenty eleven. It's um No, it's cool. Like I used to I really liked um Back when Tom Power was on CBC in the mornings, mm-hmm. um, that was right around. I remember coming back, like I came back from university. I was listening to that on my drive to work, and I was like, "It, it was just a great opportunity to to hear new stuff." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I was exposed to somebody like Ray Lamontagne for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, and then I don't know. Since he's gone to Q, it's been kind of up and down and hit and miss, but. Uh, but that was a huge asset. You know what I mean? Just that, that yeah. morning you get your 20 minutes each way, you yep, get yep. like a dose of some new music, some Canadian music. Uh, I miss that. I miss having, um, real person kind of trust, trustworthy and like tastemakers. I'm got my fingers crossed for Davina Doyle. I hope she can, uh, I don't, I don't know. She, another East coaster, you know, is she doing a radio? She's doing now? CBC mornings now. CB- oh, I didn't know. Uh, that. But I don't commute, so I don't have an yeah. excuse to listen. <laughs> I've met her a few times. She's nice. I uh, I had to Google how to pronounce. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you spell this? <laughs> yeah, I always called her Damnate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I only learned like maybe in the last couple of years that it's pronounced however you said it there. How is it said? Oh, don't make me. Davenet? I think it's Davenet. Yeah, I think that, seems... that sounds right, even though there's no presence of a V in the word. Gaelic, Gaelic, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if that's a... Yeah, it's a weird language. A lost one for me, but uh, no, it, it's neat. Um, uh, you know what was really cool that popped up recently is over on Rideau Avenue where the uh, have you seen the stencil? Um, no. Oh, it's got Gord Downey on it, and it's uh, what is it? It's a quote from Grace too. And it was just like it just popped up one day, and I was like, "Wow, that's awesome! Cool, <laughs> cool." It uh, speaking of Canadian music, how's your beer? You need another one. Um, I'm afraid to drink it in the microphone. I'm going to get a big gulp of... Uh... No, no, no. I've, I've killed mine. <laughs> okay. No, just, you just drink. Just When I'm talking, just listen. and you got to sneak it in, eh? And if there is something on the microphone, I can cut it out. I make everything sound pretty. I cut out ums. I cut out ums and mouth smacks. 
We got to get you live doing this at the council meetings where you can, you know, it goes through the filter, (laughs) all the ums and ahs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, your beer's okay though. You yeah, don't need yeah, another one. No, I'm gonna get another one. It's pretty mine's much almost, full. I'm, mine's, all, mine's almost gone. I'll be right back. So you see yourself uh, living in this town a long time? Yeah, I um, I've always there's just been something about it. I don't um, I I don't know how to put a finger on it, but uh, it's always been home, right? Yeah. And um, especially now that uh, it's growing and and people are arriving and and uh, it, it's starting to see some of that potential realized. Um, it's never been a better time to live here, right? Like there's never yep. been more to do. There's never been more mm-hmm. to see. Uh, there's never been more people to meet. Um, so I, I don't know. It's funny when I, like, when I, when I think about work, being able to have a reasonable commute from here, or mm-hmm. work from home from here, uh, is definitely a consideration. I don't know. I definitely wish I had traveled a bit more before, you know, I got to this point, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I don't, I, there's everything you could want here. The quality of life that I have here, I couldn't recreate, um, I couldn't recreate anywhere else, you know, for, mm-hmm. for owning a house and, and being able to hop my bike and, and come down and, you know, get right downtown in mm-hmm. a couple minutes or go down to the water, put on your bathing suit, go for a swim, um, cottage countries right on our back door um you know 10 minutes to go and you got a cottage don't you uh my parents have a place yeah but everybody does you know what i mean there's everybody's got a everybody knows somebody or an uncle or a friend or whatever there's so many lakes around right Yeah, totally um so all of that kind of comes in the only thing that's missing that you know in a perfect world there'd be a a world-class ski mountain behind us right right. that was uh, gonna be my next question that's sort of the question i ask everybody is like what do you think is missing in this town what do you think it needs you know now let me ask you again though because i don't think we're going to be able to make that happen (laughs) it's not i mean it's not impossible they build them in japan and stuff like indoor ski hills and stuff um but I don't see us, you know, unless we strike, unless we wind up striking some deal to take like every other town's garbage to build a mountain <laughs> out of it that we can ski on. I don't think we're going to get a ski hill anytime soon. I mean, Packenham's not that far away. Yeah. No, I, I mean mountains. Yeah, like I, no, Mont St. Marie's great skiing close to home. Yeah. Trombone's not too far, but. How long uh, does Mont St. Marie take from here? Uh, two hours. Yeah. If the roads are clean. That's a bit much. Um. It isn't. I though, used to go there from Ottawa. It's an hour there. Hour, right? hour was like perfect. We get um, for learning how to ski. You can't beat. You know, you got Calabogi, you got mm-hmm. Camp Fortune, you got Cascade, Elias, um, all within that kind of hour, hour to a half range. Yeah. But um, like I see it with the ski club where you've got kids learning to ski. They get to that point where Mont Marie is worth that extra half hour drive for them because it just gives them yeah. that terrain that that pushes them yeah um and we can't you know to go to trombones too much but um but it's not something realistic like you gotta no no place you live is going to be perfect Mm -hmm. and uh 
And at the end of the day, the mountains aren't home for me. So, so what, what do you think we need in this town? What do you think's missing that we could realistically get? Oh, good question. That's, that's what I'm asking people right now, right? If I'm going to run, that's what I need to know. Occupants in the mall? Yeah. <laughs> hey, in my lifetime, this is, this is one of the better, uh, better times for the mall. Like it is, eh? Um, it's, it seems what to used to be in the big box part of the Oh, mall. it was Target. It was before, a Target. Yeah, okay. Zeller's but and that didn't it was last a Target. Long. Target was real short lived but it was a Zeller's. So it was a Zeller's for a long time then. Built for a Zeller's. Yeah. Um Yeah, I remember when Zeller's uh it was like an institution. It had the little restaurant in the yeah. back of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Target came in and really cleaned it up and brought in the Starbucks and it was very uh So how long was Target here? Like two years? Uh, not long enough. They're only in Canada for like a year or two. Yeah, it was just that. that operation. That was a joke. It's too bad. It's things like Staples. Like we used to have a Staples out there, right? Mm. And, uh, the Staples, I think if they would have hung on another year or two, they would have got into that canopy boom and mm-hmm. they'd probably still be there. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, uh, that's life. But to have a brewery, to have a, uh, I think there's a paint store now. Yeah. There's uh, a brewery, there's a paint store, there's a dollar store, there's a diner. Yeah. There's a... A gym. Cell phones. A grocery store. There's a cell phone store now. There's a dentist. Yep. Yeah. And everybody's gotten their driver test there. When I was 16, that's where mm. we went. You, know, mm. you go get your G1. Right, right, right. Um, so, so the question still remains. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stalling on this one. I guess it, it depends. Like, are you talking... Like my lens is more in municipal stuff, right? So yeah. like, is it in the municipal lens or is it in a, like a regional thing? Like, I don't know. You decide, man. Yeah. What um, do you think? What do you think we need? What do you think would be like a realistic thing to get and have in this town in the next year that would be oh, doable? In a year. It could be something small. It could be like, we need a sushi joint or it could be, oh. we need a camera store what do we need you know we got like we got like a cocktail bar at the post office now okay we got a music club from bowie's we've got a place to uh send your kids for music lessons we've got a great bakery we need fine you know? dining fine dining we need that yeah. evening you know you're having a special occasion yeah um because people are still driving out of town for that experience, you know. You yeah, can go I to drove car- out of town. I drove to Perth last week. It was just like uh, I've, I've eaten at the vault twice last week, and I went to Boston Pizza already this week. Like I wanted to go. I went to Michael's Table over in Perth. It was great. Loved it. Yeah, and even that's still pretty casual dining. But well, and I, I mean more the I love the vault. The Sunday night for the roast beef, you can't yeah. eat that. But. Um, for that kind of, you know, I don't know if it's a birthday or an anniversary or that, you know, maybe you're driving to Carlton Place for the the Black Tartan. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. you're going to the Stone Cellar in Perth yeah. or the Bistro Somewhere 54. With Americans. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, you know, some, somewhere where you're going to spend a good chunk of change, but you're mm-hmm. going to get a really great meal and uh, and it's going to be that special occasion, right? Yeah. Uh, not that we, we got lots of options in town. No, I think um, you're right, though. I think you're right. Where are you going to go? Where 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 are you going to take your girlfriend for dinner if you want to propose? Yeah, in, the, in this town. Well, then take that a step further. What do we need in five, ten years? Where yeah. are you going to go to get married? Yeah. What you know? Where's your codes mill or your? Yeah. Where's that banquet hall? Yeah. Um, totally. 
so yeah, if we're talking commercial stuff that, uh, uh, and then there's, there's all kinds of food. Like we could get, uh, some Thai food. We could get, mm-hmm. uh, sushi. <laughs> there's, yep. there's, well, I guess the, uh, the new place on, uh, on William there is, is started doing some, some takeout sushi. Which place? Uh, the captain's. Oh, the captain's sea selection. Yeah. He's yeah. doing sushi now too, right? Yeah. I heard they had to move. I heard they're like. I'm not sure new, they, they they made a Facebook post saying they're looking for a new location. I've been really uh, the one of the biggest things that makes me not want to run again is the is having to get back on Facebook. Like I check it a little bit, but yeah. it's uh, I get down the rabbit holes right because everybody's commenting. You read a newspaper article, but then there's all these comments under. Yeah, you. yeah, you can't read the comments. You got to stay with read the content. The and best stay is, away from the comments. The best though, like I'm addicted to it in the sense where you read a comment and somebody's like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And then you see them in town like, oh, it's so nice to see you. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. where's the comment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit of two-faced kind of. Uh, people, people, keyboard warriors feel uh, really safe behind the glass of their computer screen. Not that they should feel unsafe any other time, but they should be nicer. It's it's like a different world, I guess, and it's just being able to process that. And mm-hmm. uh, um, and if anything, it bothers me. It's probably rooted in my own, you know, lack of confidence mm-hmm. with stuff than anything. So mm-hmm. what? Uh, um, but yeah, no. So so I don't know. Municipally, if you're going to say something in a year or two, um, our parks still need that some sprucing up. Yeah, yeah um, I can see that they're not accessible. They're not. Uh, stuff isn't being maintained that that's something that's that's been really frustrating um but we got some play structures coming and yep. hopefully that uh is the start and not when's the that uh when's that man shell supposed to be done oh it's been a bit of a nightmare with covid and the rest so um the, the last time it came to council it was uh the tender came back at like three hundred and twenty four thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. so we can't spend that kind of money on on uh, a bandstand and uh, they had proposed to do like a prefab kind of gazebo thing, mm-hmm. but that's not what, it, what, what they asked for. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I was actually in Marmara this afternoon where they have something pretty similar to what we're looking for. That looks, you know, it, it's not brand new, but it's mm-hmm. not a hundred years old. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think, I think that's something there's certain things with like COVID such an extenuating situation. Mm-hmm. Is it better to, to just push it through and spend all kinds of money and get something that you didn't really, that the person donating the money didn't even really want. Mm-hmm. Or do you like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what's another year to get it done right? Yeah, totally. But I, I have confidence that, uh, that that's going to be in the next year or so. That whole town square is going to be a cool space. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, I'm for looking forward to it. Bluegrass. See that from my, uh, yeah, that's steps. true. It, uh, that new intersection is going to be in, um, it's crazy to see that that all dug up now. It's uh Yeah, not too long now. I mean they booked the celebration the the celebration already, so they better be done by October first. I'm excited for October first. That yeah. uh ah, oh, it's gonna be great. Have you been involved at all yet or uh involved not so much. I've heard uh I've I've intercepted some some communications about some of the entertainment Correct. planning. Uh about it, yeah, still in its preliminary stages, but uh, and I've chatted with a little bit with uh, Nora from the DBA, who's cool. uh, a 
I think, uh, driving the ship for the most part for that event, the celebratory event back on Beckwith. I hope, uh, I can't believe the way that the sound on Russell, like when you're there, what do you got an iPad or something? You're yeah. kind of going around. Yeah. Doing yeah. Your mixed thing. From an iPad. It's all wireless. It's amazing. It's like to get that kind of sound quality, you know, in an open street with yeah. no acoustics. It's, yeah. It's great. Uh, I'm actually, we're plugged into the same sound mixer that I was using for that right now. Oh, wow. Right? I do my podcast on it too. Yeah. Technology. You can do it's anything. Amazing. <laughs> so you were sleeping on some steps for a while. Yes. You want to tell me about that? Yeah. No, it's been a while now. So it's it's at the point where, and and all the cards are on the table, right? Yeah. So, um, so that was one of those things, you know, when you, when you run for council, you don't, it's one of those things you don't expect to happen or foresee happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I was a member of the St. Francis church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a member of council and as a member of council, I really saw there was a lot of people with housing insecurity, with subpar yeah. housing, um, the housing issue in Smith Falls, it's been well-documented and, and well, um, and I think prioritized. Yeah. So, so you've got this vacant building that has been, um, you know, the school's moved out, the new school's been built mm-hmm. and, uh, and the ownership's been transferred to the church and, and the, the church had a lot of concerns about if we lose our parking lot, we'll lose our congregation because especially with an elderly, mm-hmm. uh, elderly congregation and accessibility issues that come with that, uh, it's a very real need that you need parking to get, to get into the building. Yeah. Um, on the other side of it is you've had this building that was built, you know, in the Cold War era. I don't know if you saw when it came down. It had the double steel. It had concrete. No, brick. I missed the demo myself. But um, like that building was meant to withstand a, a blast, almost right. Yeah. Um, beautiful gym in the basement, uh, and it was really interesting because I had the chance to walk through the building uh, with Chris Samir, who buys schools and turns them into yeah. apartments. Apparently classrooms make really good conversions because each each classroom is roughly two units and right. uh, there you go. Uh, then add into it the fact you've got a not-for-profit housing corporation that was looking to work with somebody. It, it Just to me, everything was coming together in a way that there was this huge opportunity for a win-win-win. Yeah. Uh, even to reconfigure the street parking, because it was set up for school buses, right? So mm-hmm. you could have reconfigured the whole street parking on that block to uh, maximize service to the church and provide the what would be needed for a housing development. Um, fortunately, that wasn't um, communicated. You know what I mean? That wasn't, like, it, it just didn't, uh, it broke down. The, the point for me that put me on the steps was um, I didn't feel from the information I had access to was being put out to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote the letter to the editor and laid it out. And and then for the advent is the season before Christmas. So mm-hmm. uh, four, four weekends and, and then Christmas. So for those four, four weekends and Christmas Eve, I slept on the steps. Um, really great response from the community. Uh, not a great response, um, from the organization and which I was a part of, I, yeah. I guess technically I still am a part of, um, I, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I, I've been going to, uh, I found it since then it's been easier to go, I've, I, you know, I've been visiting other churches in the area and mm-hmm. going there. Um, 
so that uh, it, it just it got to the point where the the con- nobody wanted to have the conversation, and 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 each side was um, there wasn't clear signals for communication, so there was no opportunity and to spend spend seven hundred thousand dollars to to tear something down mm-hmm. um, when there was an opportunity to serve the community and serve the parking needs. It's hard, but it's not, um, it's, uh, it's a part of the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes we make decisions that serve our own needs more than, than others. And, um, and to me, from my perspective, that this was one of those situations. Yeah. I saw that they, um, I think I saw this. Did they make some kind of donation? Felt like, felt like almost a bit of a, Sorry, we didn't go that way, but here's some here's a donation for affordable housing or something like that. Um, I'm not sure because mm. uh, I haven't been a full part of it. Yeah. I know the um, uh, so the Anglican Church made a big donation, right? They they okay. made a big five hundred thousand dollar donation to. Oh, the, maybe that's what I saw then. The development. I know the um, the Archdiocese of Kingston is making a donation to the food hub. And that was through the Archdiocese Lenten collection. Okay. Um, that that the the list of people that were getting or organizations getting funded from that was from a, a young adult social justice committee from the Archdiocese, which I I had the pleasure of getting to be a part of. So um, so that that's kind of separate from the local decision making. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I was on that committee, and I. <laughs> You know, I, I thought this is a something really meaningful that, that could have funding, but I, I wouldn't take it as a consolation prize. It's just two separate things that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. Um, I I don't know where it, it's kind of, it's kind of over now, and it's yeah. kind of. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if it was worth it or not. I know if I didn't get as out there about it, I, I probably have regrets that I could have done more. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there's been a huge price to pay and uh, uh, with different relationships and mm-hmm. um, and a community that has been uh, a big part of my life uh, for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it's been, it's been hard through that and... Uh, but like everything, I'm sure. Uh, well, I commend you. I commend you for standing up for what you felt was important and getting a message out. A lot of people wouldn't do that. No, but that's what I signed up for, right? Yeah. That's that's if you you as be as a counselor, it's a small microphone, but you still have a voice that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have. Yep. And I think if if you're not using that voice to to advocate for the things that you think are are important and and especially one of the best parts about seeing Smith Falls thrive over the last few years is how willing and how open we've been to sharing that with with the people that haven't been a part of that boom. Mm-hmm. Uh we've uh you know when you look at the affordable housing we haven't seen the kind of nimby pushback uh to those initiatives that you sometimes read about in other communities. Right. Uh, when you look at the food hub, you know, huge support towards that. When you look at um, all the charitable funding uh, that's come out um, through golf tournaments and and all of these things that happen that uh, to support the community, uh, I, I think there's been a special focus on 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 people that haven't been able to ride the wave, and and that's one of those things I love about Smith Falls. I feel like 
it's just it's a part of the fabric of the community um so you know if anything this this situation was exceptional that it didn't work out and right. it's unfortunate but um uh at the end of the day i, I kind of got to step back with the humility to say it wasn't meant to be and uh yeah and i did i did what i felt called to do at the time yeah. But those, uh, I mean, those kind of actions too, I think that they can have, um, you know, echoed effects down the line. Well, and this is the, I, I think no. You uh, don't yell at the umpire because you actually believe you're going to change his mind. Yeah. But he might think twice the next time he's about to make a bad call. When I think it gets the conversation you know I mean? out there. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely brings that conversation to light. I think, um, you know, on a, on a larger scale, you see it with, uh, with the, cause it's like, like we're talking about a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. The Pope just, uh, just left Canada on the reconciliation tour. Um, the conversations that have come up through that, I know not everybody's happy with the, you know, there's all kinds of things that still yeah. need to be done. Um, but the, the voice that was given and, and, and putting that to the top of the conversation yeah. over the last week, I think was, um, uh, was important whether or not it checked all the boxes and whether or not I, I'm sure more is going to come from it. Um, I was actually, I had, I was really honored to be able to be there on Thursday for the mass in Quebec city or in St. Anne de Beaupre. Oh yeah. Um, and to see, you know, there's a huge indigenous um, group that you know, different communities from all over the country that were there, and and to get to talk with some of them and and see and share in that pain and that um, in something that uh, has been such a a negative part of Canadian history that we we haven't been able to really properly address yet. Um, I don't, um, I don't think that it can, it can fix everything, but I definitely think that it, it can be a first step and, yeah. and that's where all of this stuff comes together, right? That's yeah, the, totally. um, but yeah, that was a hard, I don't think I've cried that much. I don't remember the last time I, <laughs> it was a hard, a hard morning and, and I have nothing to be, you know, I, I'm just there as a. I don't know, as an ally, I guess mm-hmm. I, 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 the courage of, of, of those people just, it really, uh, shook me to the core for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So with, uh, with this election coming up that we've talked about a, a number of times, um, what do you, what are the issues going to be? Oh, it's going to be this bridge. The bridge? That's is that going to be the hot button issue? The bridge? It was a hot button issue in the last election. Yeah. I think it's going to be a hot button issue What's in the this deal election. With the bridge? I don't even know. I oh, hear about it talked okay. about all the time. I don't even know the scoop about this okay. stupid bridge. So we have a bridge, and it's a steel member bridge. This is where my kind of engineering side and my council side. You know, these are Cross the kind paths. of yeah. These are the kind of things that I I love about the job is you get to have an influence on, on, on this kind of stuff and you get to read it before anybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time as everybody else, but you get to talk about it. Um, so you've got a bridge and the bridge is meant to have pieces come off it and replaced year after year 
because maybe this year this piece of steel wears out or this rivet wears out and yeah. it's just, and then it, it lasts in perpetuity almost. Yeah. Um, the last major rehab on the bridge was in 1986. So it was a while ago and, yeah. and the maintenance was postponed and there's no, there's no judgment on, on why the maintenance was postponed. We didn't, asset management plans weren't the same kind of thing as they are today. There's been a lot of direction from the province on how to manage assets because, you know, things weren't, not just, not, not Smith Falls, but province wide, you know, assets weren't being renewed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for whatever reason we get to, I think it was 2015, which is before my time on council. And just yeah. after I got back from school, uh, the bridge is in such a state that it has to be closed because it's condemned now. It's not safe for people to go over it. And then the deck is removed from it to take the weight off it. Mm. Uh, because the, just the weight of the bridge could pull it down. Yeah. Um, it's a pony truss bridge, which means there's no connecting pieces of steel between the two sides of it. Um, and it's a worn truss on the side trusses. So those two pieces that are up. The problem is at this point, they're so rusted apart. They've had the road salt on them every winter for yeah. 100 years. There's just, there's nothing left to fix. So at first the Heritage Committee was hoping a rehab would be suitable and um there's just there's nothing left the pictures in the report you can see it it's it's you can see holes right through yeah. pieces of steel that used to be half an inch thick yeah uh so <laughs> here we go um so now we got to take down what's there it, it can't be replaced gotcha we got a report at the beginning of our term of council saying that we could clone it we could get steel that is just like the steel we have mm-hmm. and basically like a lego set rebuild what we had put it back up and um and there we go. And that was going to cost $1.2 million. Okay. Pretty good price. The pr- so, so at the same time, we've been doing all these traffic studies to see, okay, what is the purpose of this asset? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many cars go over it? This would be the foundation of a grant writing do- document if we were yeah. going to go that route. Yeah. But uh, there's no traffic purpose for it. And now that we installed the turning lane on Lombard and Abbott intersection where that used to get backed up. Like you probably even remember in your short time here before that, like it'd be half an hour waiting there, but now, you know, the bridge opens, it's, it's 10 minutes or less and you're through. Yeah. So if you go around, the calculation is that you're going to spend more time driving around more gas driving around than just sitting there for the five minutes waiting it out. Right. So there's no, (laughs) you know, there's a minimal traffic, advantage to having it there. Mm-hmm. And if more cars start using it, the Ministry of Transportation, from my understanding, says that we have to, um, we'll have to make it one way. So okay. we decide to make it one way out, one way in. Then if there's too many cars going out into the intersection, we need to put a set of lights there. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole rabbit hole right. of spending money Snowballs. on something. Yeah. Either no cars use it and it's not needed or too many cars use it and we need all this other stuff that you know, is, is hard to foresee, hard to see that situation. Um, but now, you can't just leave it there to rot more cause it's going to fall. It's got to come down. Yeah. That's, it's got to come down. The question is, do we replace it with anything or not? Um, we could replace it with a pedestrian bridge. We could replace it with a vehicle pedestrian bridge. Um, and this is where the, the debate came Monday night that got, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a contentious issue. So, um, we look to the, the waterfront, master plan that we paid for 10 years ago, mm-hmm. they recommended closing Confederation Drive between the uh, the Murphy Park building uh, where the pickled pigs got the yeah. set up 
and the parking lot along the water there, all those parking spots, mm-hmm. make that park connected, make it all park space. And then to compensate for that traffic that has to get around, extend Strathcona Avenue, it's the dead end, yeah. onto Mill Road, and now you've got your bypass. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. There's some grading issues that, you know, you, you need to do a report on it mm-hmm. uh, to know the engineering for it. But but to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we, and so the... <laughs> The part I left out here is the prices that came back from the $1.2 million we were expecting from the last report. Now yeah. it's $3 million, 2.5 without the abutments. So saying about half a million for the abutments, which I think is fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking $3 million on an asset that isn't in the asset management plan. It's not, it just provides no value to mm-hmm. town. So the, right. the question uh, we've got to figure out is, is this the best place to put $3 million that we haven't really budgeted for? Mm-hmm. It's To put it into perspective, our, our annual operating budget is $20 million. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to take, um, we'd have to take over 10% of one year's money or another way to look at it is there's about 4,500 uh, residential units in Smith Falls. Yep. So we could take, uh, we could charge everyone about $700 one-time fee to, to like, that's what it would cost everybody. Um, when you've got no, when you've got no engineering case to really back up the need for it as a vehicle bridge, yeah, it's really hard to put that kind of money down. Um, so, so yeah, these are, these are the thing that's going to be an election issue for sure. There's, there's a lot of people in town, um, that, that want to keep it a traffic bridge and, and anecdotally there's a real attachment to it, um, it's got sentimental value behind it. It's been there right. for a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this perceived notion that if it was there, there would be less traffic as a whole, but it's mm-hmm. just not what the studies of Right. And like ten years of different you know what I mean? Not every year, but but consistently yeah. for the last yeah. ten years of studies. Yeah. Well, I mean it's it's hard to uh I found it's very hard to convince members of the general public who just have their own ideas with uh like data. With civil engineering data, most people aren't generally aware that civil engineering is even something that people go to school for and and apply actual scientific research-based principles for determining outcomes. <laughs> and, you know, it's not a perfect science, but well, and it's, it's never nothing. It's never a compelling, eloquent, you know, it, you never feel the data the way you feel yeah. um, something else. And it it's the hardest part of uh of i think politics right now mm-hmm. is um you see it in uh, in the gta with the highways right mm-hmm. we just elected a a super majority government based on building highways in the 905 that there doesn't to me from somebody outside of that circle uh there doesn't seem to be a a, a reason for you know if we build more lanes like you look at houston they've built as many lanes as you can build yeah and they're still not getting anywhere in any kind of speed. Um, so why do we keep doubling down? And why do we subsidize the road differently than we subsidize the train mm-hmm. or any other kind of transportation, right? Yeah. Um, like these systems are just, everybody likes the the familiarity of, of what they know. And that's, that's the last experience they had that was as seamless as possible, I guess. You think it, we'll ever see any public transpo in this town? Um. That's a that's a good question. I don't know what ten thousand people uh, you've got that critical mass for it. I know yeah. in the past they've tried doing a bus that would run kind of up and down, like out to the mall and back. Yeah. Um, but it never seemed to have the uptake of enough people wanting to go in the same place at the same mm-hmm. time. 
Um, it's interesting to see in the in the old Smith Falls book. I don't have you had a chance to see the Smith Falls book. I have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is like the um, it's the coolest thing, right? It goes to about 1990, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, there's some stuff in there about. I think it was in the 30s. Everybody was biking everywhere. Okay. Um, so we haven't always used the car. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, 1920s, 1930s, who, who's going to own a car? Not many people. Well, this is it. And, you know, and they I'm, had a lot of them, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the fifth, the vehicle explosion in the fifties and sixties. And I guess, a, you know, a bike could be easier to, to manage and afford than a horse. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. um, but, I, but yeah, I don't know, like when I look next door to Carlton place where they've, they built out these communities for the car, um, you're getting incredible, uh, gridlock happening at rush hours along the highway seven corridor. Right. Um, because these communities have been built to be there. There's one bottleneck outlet to each, each neighborhood instead of the grid system that used to be built on. And it just, I, I don't think it works. Like we're still trying to build to a 1980s standard that we know it, it just doesn't create a desirable yeah. place to live. Yeah. So how do you, how do you win over hearts with that mm-hmm. one? I don't know. <laughs> So a bridge, hot button issue number one. Yeah. What's the, what's the next issue, you think? What's your prediction for the next Ooh. issue? It's going to enthrall people. This is a, this is a dangerous game. Um, I, I think that the taxes in Smith Falls are going to be an issue. Oh, uh, yeah, I can see that. Because see there's that a lot sure. of people, there's a huge inequality right now. Um MPAC is the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation. Yeah. They um they haven't readjusted their assessment since 2016. Mm-hmm. So in in places that have been relatively stable it doesn't really matter. In a place like Smith Falls, uh my house on McEwen is still evaluated in the 180 range. Mm-hmm. Uh there's houses with, you know, down by the water with park uh adjacent to the park that that are evaluated closer to the, the 100,000 range. You've got neighborhoods in Ferreira Drive that are brand new, so they were evaluated on the sale price, and they're paying five, you know, they could, they could be evaluated at three four $400,000. So when mm-hmm. the average assessment in Smith Falls is one sixty, and your your house was worth three hundred because that's what it sold for, mm-hmm. even though maybe houses on my street went for the same price, we should be paying relatively the same, mm-hmm. you're paying way too much. And it's not... It's a really hard issue because it's not as simple as just cutting the tax rate. If it was that easy, we would have done it already. Yeah, um, It's getting the province to do whatever they do. And this is where it's like a black box um, to get these assessments back up to where they are. Yeah. And then in Finsmith Falls, our, our tax rate goes from 180 or, or 160 average to 220. Then we can raise, we can lower the tax rate. Yeah, and get the same amount. Yeah, because yeah, there's two parts to the equation. Mm-hmm. I think that it's always an issue, right? People, some people are paying too much in town. Taxes are pretty high here. Everybody knows that. Yeah. That's no secret for sure. Yep. Um, but I mean, I, I understand it too. Cause I mean, I didn't, I didn't at first. And I asked the question, I was like, well, it, it costs the same to plow a mile of road here as it does in somewhere with five times the property values. So the taxes just have to be higher on, on lower values. So, but, uh, less taxes, I think would make a lot of people happy. I think that'll be the great, the great thing about catching up is going to be that the next council, whoever's on it is going to get to have a, I'm guessing, you know, our, our, Assessments are going to go up, mm-hmm. so they're going to be able to say they brought the tax rate down. Um, 
it's a little bit of creative accounting, right? But uh, but yeah, and and the corporate taxes are are stronger now than they've been. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we don't see a recession that affects that or anything. But uh, uh, that's kind of getting back to more normal than yeah. what had been before. I don't for the issues, um, the issues of of things that I think are important that need to be pushed forward. We just we just got an accessible. Uh, accessibility advisory committee got off the ground in the last term of council and yep. they've been coming up with, they've been looking at the park. So they went, the first section they did was uh, Abbott street to George street mm-hmm. on, uh, on the little section of park by the water treatment plant. Yep. Um, they came up with like, I think there's 15 to 20 things. They can't even get in there because there's a curb. There's no accessible entrance to that section of park. Right. Uh, the hard surface just goes towards the water. So if you were, um, if you couldn't break, you'd go right into the water. There's no railing. The bridge uh, has a gravel surface connecting to the concrete, mm-hmm. but that doesn't connect to anything. So they've got some really cool stuff I think is important. Um, and then we just, we the last, like this term of council, we approved a, an active transportation plan, which is the big picture. Uh, where do we need more sidewalks? Where do we mm-hmm. need bike lanes? Where do we need, how do, how can we tweak the infrastructure we have to make it safe and accessible for people to get around without a car? And the number one spot that needs to be fixed is Old Slice Bridge. I don't know if you had a chance to walk over there, but it's awful. I don't think I've ever walked it. So it's, dri- I mean, I've driven across it. So you've got no real sidewalk on either side, mm-hmm. but it's a huge connecting link for people that want to walk, uh, uh, walk into that side of town, right? It's the river crossing for mm-hmm. that that whole section, and there's no real um, th- there's no great way to get across there without having to walk on the side of the road, and yeah. then you get up on the bridge, and the bridge only has a sidewalk on one side. Right. I kind of get that feeling over on Abbott too, because yeah, you got, you got that nice bridge that at first I'm like, well, why can't they give me my little footbridge just over that little extra piece of water? Obviously they can't because boats have to get through. So I get that, but then you have to go up and then you have to like, you're right there and that side doesn't have a sidewalk. Yeah. No. And so you have to cross to the, you have to push yeah. the button and wait. And if I'm just trying to get to the other side of the water, that means I have to go across the side crosswalk to use the sidewalk to then use the crosswalk to get back over to the park yeah i've got to cross a road that i shouldn't have to cross i should just be able to use that side of the bridge and then be over the park no it's and it's um there's no pedestrian crossing like you know you press the button the lights turn on yeah um but in this grand plan there's uh they want to have a walking trail that basically goes up one side of the canal and and down the other Mm -hmm. and that's something that i think is uh is really important. It's um, it, it's just it it it's one of those things that elevates the asset to the next level where somebody parks their boat and they know maybe they're a runner. They know they can get that whatever yeah. it is five clicks or ten clicks, whatever they want to do. And we've got um, we've got a well maintained mm-hmm. asset for them. Um, yeah, lighting the trails is another part of it because uh, you think of November, it's yeah. dark at four yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if people want to be able to, if, if that trail is going to be accessible into the evening, it needs a light on it. And even in the, even in the summer months, it's, it's better for, uh, keeping it lit. just, you know, keeps, uh, keeps vandalism and, mm-hmm. you know, people don't want to congregate in yeah, areas yeah, yeah. that are, that are well lit. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all for more like trails and bike lanes and walking paths and things that make it just 
all that much easier to travel and navigate this town by foot or by bike or skateboard or rollerblade or scooter or anything like that. It's uh, have you ever been to, have you ever been to Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah. Like that's, worst place to go with your family. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, your family that may not with kids or or a big family that in group of people that isn't used to the way things work there. But like, it took me it, it took me a second, it took me a minute to get used to like just navigating that city. But once I did, it was just so cool the way yeah. that everybody just understands the game over there. You know, it's like bikes have the right of way. Secondary to that, people on foot have the right of way. And the only reason they put people on bikes above people on foot is because uh, you'd get, you're going to get too many pedestrians crashed into by bicycles. Otherwise they move faster and they do more damage. Um, But cars are last and cars and, and everybody accepts that nobody's getting mad at bikers. They're just being patient and waiting because they've made their choice and they know their third, they know their third peg. And you can get any, it was just seas of people on bikes just s- zipping by all yeah. the time. Bikes, 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 you know, I'd, 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 I'd sooner spend 3 million bucks sending like as many people from this town for a weekend trip to Amsterdam versus fixing up some rusty bridge we don't need. Cause then they, that might, you know, change a few light bulbs, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Toronto, Dallas, doesn't matter how many lanes you add, how many parking spots you add, driving and traffic is still going to suck. Yeah. It's always bad. Like, that's an engineering problem nobody seems to have solved yet, aside from people who have been like, yeah, we just need to have less cars like, and entice the non-car options. Philosophically, the car has been a negative force in communities since it, it became mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh you think of the communities that um, that were bulldozed to to put the freeway through. You mm-hmm. think of uh, places where people used to interact in the square, and you know if you're on a bike, you you get the nod, or you know you're interacting with people as you walk around. Uh, now you're in in the car. You don't mm-hmm. you don't have that same interaction. Um, I don't know that. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer we can keep this up. Right? We we can see other places that are doing it slightly differently. We can, um, we can see that the car is having a negative effect on the environment, on, on social interactions, on, on all these aspects that, that factor into quality of life. Uh, but it's really comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was raining today, I don't know that I would have yeah, taken yeah, my yeah, bike yeah. here instead of my car. You know what I think would be good in this town? Rickshaws. That'd be cool. I'd love to see those scooters. Like you go to Ottawa, the Lime, Rental whatever it ones? is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if the Chamber of Commerce got a bunch of those down in Victoria Park yeah, and you totally. can go to the Railway Museum, go to the Heritage House, zip up the main street at lunch. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill's got some bikes for rent. Yep. Yeah. E- e-bikes. At that. Oh, really? Yeah, eh? he's got e-bikes. Huh. He's got a couple of <laughs> e-bikes. Yeah, you can do it. I, uh, I remember everybody said, nobody will bike up that hill if we put the bike lane in. And it's like they have gears, you know. We uh, and and I can't sit on that street. You well, know. it's a trade off too. Sure, you got to bike up it, but then you get to ride down it. Oh, you feel like a million bucks when yeah. you're going down that. You yeah. got to be careful; you don't get too much speed. Um, 
so so yeah i don't know this is these are the kind of things where it, it's amazing how um somebody can make a really compelling case for something and that becomes the issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it, it happens every day right and who knows what what could happen you know sometimes an event happens that, mm-hmm. that creates an issue so yeah. um i don't know it it it's interesting um it's it's really interesting because it's not like we've got on a national scale where you you know the polls this week or 30% this 40% mm-hmm. that uh really the only time you get a poll in a small town is the election night and by then it's too late to <laughs> to maneuver or yeah, change yeah, anything yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'm really interested to see whether I'm on the ballot or not, October 24th, I'm going to be there. Yeah. I think it's going to be real. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting ones for this town yet. At, at this point of where we're at post COVID, everything's opening up again. Everybody's wanting to get back to stuff. Yep. You know, yeah. I think, I think, I think if like, if the timing had worked out to have a new election, like right in the middle of COVID that there probably wouldn't even be that much attention to pay to it. You know, it'd probably just be like, you know, it's something, it's a procedure we have to go through and we probably will, would wind up with just sort of 99% recycling. I don't but know. It, like but, they were still uh, protesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. There were still protests through COVID. Yeah, a little bit. That seems <laughs> to be f- fairly over at this point. I mean, I guess they're, maybe they're just gearing up to try and try and shoot their shot and cast their new votes. And But we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Thanks for doing my podcast, man. We're Thanks. at we're at two hours. No way. Yeah, we're at, oh, we're at two hours and seven minutes. That's my two hours. Two hours zone is kind of my hard cutoff for these. So wow. I think we've covered some good topics, and I've gotten to know you a little better. Yeah, this is. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for inviting it's been a lot me. of fun. Yeah. yeah, this is first. Yeah, interesting experience. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Chris McGuire, council person, Smith Falls, born and raised. Thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. And that was my chat with Mr. Chris McGuire. Thanks so much for tuning in, Smith Falls. And thank you once again to our three sponsors, Andrus Independent Grocer, Howard Kelford and Dubois, Barristers and Solicitors, and Say Two Bakery. Without you guys, the show would not be possible. See you next time, Smith Falls. And until then, take care. I know that now that I have met you, Veronique, I shall not forget you. I will talk unto you.